Hesedim is a series of reflection, usually reflecting on an issue in the society in the light of the words of scripture. You're welcome to join us each time and to send your questions or comments by way of a voice note. Look forward to hearing you and speaking with you. I'm speaking to you today about emancipation as God's mandate. The biblical account of the exodus of Israel from slavery in Egypt is a narrative that has everything to do with the project of freedom. It describes the circumstances in which enslavement arises and the challenges encountered in seeking liberation or emancipation. But importantly, it shows that the project of liberation or emancipation belongs to the nature and character of God, the God of the Bible. And it is accomplished by the exercise of God's mighty outstretched arm. Today, as we celebrate emancipation from chattel slavery of the African people in the English-speaking Caribbean, we pause to reflect upon the Old Testament story in order to gather strength and to focus on the matters arising and the ongoing international struggle for freedom. The Negro spiritual put to song the words God spoke to Moses in initiating the project of liberation or emancipation. Go tell Pharaoh to let my people go. The Egyptians devised slavery for both economic and social reasons. The economic imperative in the fertile Nile Valley required Egypt to develop what were called then store cities of Python and Ramesses. What, is, what it required was the building of warehouses and redistribution centers in order to create economies around the drought and surplus of the time. In order to build these grain cities, Egypt needed forced labor or cheap labor, that is slave labor. They took advantage of the nomadic Apiru people that we have come to call the Hebrew people. The contemporary literature called this economic and social minority Apiru, which was a nickname roughly equivalent to vagabond or scum of the earth. This free labor force allowed Egypt to make enormous profits from selling grains to the people of Northern Africa and East Asia. These peoples were impacted by drought conditions and did not have the fertility of the Nile Valley and therefore had to trade with Egypt for the economic giant at the time. The other reason for enslavement was a form of population control or demographic engineering. It was oppression for the sake of political organization and cementing the Egyptian empire in its place. 
This is how the Bible describes the circumstances of the forced labor or enslaved in Egypt in response to which God initiated the emancipation of the Hebrew people. This is what Pharaoh says. I will not give you any more straw. Go and get your own straw wherever you can find it. But your work will not be reduced at all. So the people scattered all over Egypt to gather stubble to use for straw. The slave drivers kept pressing them saying, complete the work required of you for each day, just as when you had straw. And Pharaoh's slave drivers beat the Israelite overseers they had appointed, demanding, why haven't you met your quota of bricks yesterday or today as before? The enslavement of the Hebrew people by Pharaoh's Egypt arose out of greed for greater profits and out of a disregard for the rights of the people as human beings. They had no rights in the eyes of their oppressors and therefore the Egyptians had no duty to be fair to them. The Egyptians had the power and could act arbitrarily and capriciously towards them. This story has remained the same for the oppressed even if the actors have changed from time to time. It is important to notice that the initiative for emancipation belongs to God and is taken by God. The words that God spoke to Moses says, the cries of my people have come up to me and I have come down to deliver them. God sees human misery and suffering. It is not lost on God. It comes to God's notice. To liberate and emancipate the enslaved is not something to which God needs to be prompted or enticed. God is not indifferent or unwilling towards the plight of the oppressed. To respond with grace and salvation belongs to who God is. When we read the story of Israel's emancipation in the book of Exodus, we find that the subtext of the story is so that we may know who God is and what God is like. Indeed, Moses demanded to know the name of God. What is your name? And God says, I am that I am. Emancipation is who God is and what God does. The germ of freedom that we possess as human beings arises from the fact that we are made in the image and likeness of God. Slavery was the total reality for the people of the Caribbean, and yet we ran away when there was no place to run to. We resisted and protested, though no one listened, but we accepted nothing less than our freedom. There were 75 slave rebellions in the period of enslavement. There was no generation in which the enslaved population did not confront their erstwhile masters with the demand to be set free. This is the doings of God and it is marvelous in our eyes. The freedom fighter is not merely responding to human impulses but are deployed in the struggle for freedom by the call of God upon their lives. The struggle to set human beings free is not easy or simple or quick. It is an all-consuming struggle, and there are both adversaries and obstacles 
that are encountered in the struggle. Therefore, one needs to be rooted and grounded and deeply convicted about the undertaking. Moses resisted his call to go tell Pharaoh, let my people go. He resisted because of his own sense of himself and his inadequacy. He knew what he was capable of. He resisted because he knew that the Hebrew people were skeptical of the project of their liberation. And he resisted because he knew that Pharaoh was obdurate and would not yield easily or willingly. In fact, Pharaoh needed to be made to yield, even against his will. That act of wrestling with God before engaging the task was vital to the sense of purpose that is required to perform the task of human liberation. What is called for is not a mere media event with glitz and glamour. It is not popular and the stakes are quite high. It is a life and death struggle. The forces are deeply entrenched and they dig their heels in. They do not yield. They complicate the task and intensify the struggle. What is encountered in this business of setting people free is, a, is the recalcitrance of the human will. There are vested interests, both social and economic, that rely on the continuation of oppression. This is how they see the world. This is what they see in the money that stands to be made. They push back, they fight back, and they do not easily or quickly or willingly relent. Feeling overwhelmed, inadequate, or even impatient with the progress in the struggle for freedom. is par for the course. None should be surprised by it. It is part of what it takes to purpose, to pursue the struggle to make men and women free. The story of the Exodus includes a manifest manipulation of manifestation and multiplication of plagues and disasters. With each plague, we say certainly Pharaoh will yield. And yet each time he pushes the bar further away. In time, however, Pharaoh's will is broken and he yields on pain of the death of his firstborn. And still he pursues Israel to the Red Sea and he and his army are drowned. What proved to be the more pernicious and recalcitrant obstacle were the people themselves. To begin with, they start out as mere spectators of the project who need to be convinced about the project. With each new burden imposed, they want to abandon the project of their own liberation and to accept the status quo ante. Even after they had been physically liberated and set free from Egypt, they appear to want to recreate Egypt in their circumstances. They want the condiments and the foods of Egypt in the wilderness. They are impatient with the journey towards the promised land. They are unwilling to pay the price of the mild discomforts encountered along the way. They murmur and they complain. They leave us with some lingering lessons. Here are a few of them. 
freedom is not a destination you arrive at. It is a manner of traveling. In this regard, freedom is not merely physical. It is physical, but that is not all it is. It is also mental and it is psychological as well. Freedom requires the development of an ethic and the construct of an ethos. How you live tells whether or not you are free. The struggle to make freedom truly free means that we will make, we will have to accept the challenges of the journey to constructing our peoplehood where we have our own and can be our own bosses. More than anything else, freedom requires us to live and to treat each other in a manner in keeping with the hard-won freedom. The story of the Exodus begins with Pharaoh ordering, ordering infanticide where they kill the boy babies of the Israelites. And then there was an encounter with two Hebrew men fighting each other. Freedom requires us to recognize that the threat from outside and from others are not as present and as pernicious as the threats we pose to ourselves. The task of freedom is to treat each other better. We must prove that we deserve our freedom by how we live with each other and treat each other. This is what the Ten Commandments, this is why the Ten Commandments were given, to help former enslaved people live with each other in community. The lessons of Israel in the Old Testament are lessons for us today. Like them, our freedom was won by the hand of God. God put it in the minds of our foremothers and forefathers that we can live, we cannot live the, this way. And we resisted and God raised up our freedom fighters. And at last we accomplished full free. The forces that took away our freedom resisted and have reconfigured themselves to continue to impair our freedom. Those social and economic forces are still with us today. The lesson that we cannot afford to be mere spectators of freedom, but we have to become active participants in the struggle to attain and to maintain freedom is moot. The great threat to our freedom lies in what we value, what we want, and how we treat each other. To emancipate ourselves from mental slavery means that we fix our values and we fix our relationship. It is for freedom that God has set us free. Let us stand firm in our freedom and not allow ourselves to be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Almighty God, we thank you for those who struggled for our freedom. Those who have put in the hard work, done the heavy lifting to make us enjoy the measure of freedom we enjoy today. We pray and acknowledge those forces, both here and elsewhere, that are trying to make slaves of human beings once again. Give us the will to believe and to fight that freedom freedom lost anywhere is a threat to freedom everywhere.
give us the grace and strength we pray in jesus name amen